Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Tudor as you talk about college basketball, the NBA, the MLB, and of course our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 165. We're recording this week's episode during the Cyclone and Lady Bears game, but the Cyclone women are the only women's basketball team in the nation who has not lost to a top 10 team this year. For example, the Lady Bears have lost to number 11 Maryland and unranked K-State earlier this season. But before we talk about the women's team, Kyle, can you update us on the men's team? Yeah, this men's team seems to be uh, streaky, uh, to, to say it the least, thanks to Ariane. Coming in with some of this information earlier this week or earlier this morning to our group message, uh, they won 12 games in a row this season, obviously, and they've now won their past four games. Uh, a big comeback win against West Virginia, uh, easily one of or people could say that this is the first true Hilton Magic game uh, that TJ Otzelberger has had in his tenure at Iowa State. Down by 10 at half, down by 12, uh, with 14 minutes and 51 seconds left in the second half. Um, it Iowa State just found a way to, to claw back in it, slowly but surely. They put together a few big stops, um, hit some big threes. Isaiah Brockington was absolutely unconscious in this game. 35 points, 5 rebounds, 14 of 22 from the floor, 5 of 8 from 3, 2 steals. None bigger than the steal at the end of the game uh, on an inbounds play in the backcourt. West Virginia having a real hard time getting it, getting the ball in. Uh, they had to call a timeout after their their first attempt. And then Isaiah Brockington pokes the ball free, grabs it, turns around, hits a hits a fadeaway jump shot to put the Cyclones up late. Just a big big win for this team, and I, I really think it's starting to kind of fuel them. And you can see this team starting to kind of work together a little bit more than they had in their in their tough stretch there where they weren't doing so hot in Big 12 play. Um, the team did shoot 30 free throws in this game, only making 20. You would like to see that number go up, but getting to the free throw line 30 times was huge. Now, granted, this officiating crew was calling feathers hitting the floor in this game uh there were so many fouls called in that game there were like 24 fouls just in the first half of that game the first half took what over an hour or exactly an hour it it was crazy how extended this game became um both both head coaches were furious bob huggins i mean felt like the man was gonna have a heart attack and need to be rushed to the emergency room in that game uh it it just I don't know. At least the calls were bad for both teams there. It was a little bit against Iowa State towards the end of the first half. Um, But West Virginia went up by 10. I called it that at halftime, this game would be a 10-point lead. I I thought it was just kind of trending in that direction. But props to the resiliency of this team in this game, which we haven't been able to give uh, many props to as of late. But when Gabe Kalsher plays well, we speak of this, when he's efficient, this team wins a lot of games, usually. Uh, He had a very, very quiet 17 points uh, from the field, I felt like. Uh, He was 6 of 10 
great there. And three of five from three. Awesome. He played good defense. Um, and it was just exactly what this team needed when Isaiah Brockington was super efficient from the floor and coming up huge for this team. Gabe Kalsher was the right wingman for him. Uh, rebounding was atrocious, however. Uh, they were out-rebounded 34-20. to 20. Um, West Virginia is a team that crashes the boards very hard. Uh, they're like a TCU. You know, when you play them, you should practice boxing out during the week extra. It's, it's just something that you have to do against them. They didn't do it. Uh, so that's something that this team is going to usually have issues with. It's something that's plagued this, this Iowa State team for really since... Fred Hoiberg was at the helm um, and it really isn't changing, but it's just the identity of this team playing with some smaller, smaller players. Um, bonus fun fact of the day. However, I did want to point this out. I, I sent this to the group after the game. If you thought Iowa state was frustrating on the year, here's West Virginia's big 12 season in a nutshell. Uh, I believe they only had two losses going into big 12 play. And after this Iowa state game, West Virginia in the second half of just Big 12 games this season had a negative 111 point differential after after being negative eight in the first half. So at halftime, they're right in games, very close, and they get absolutely blown out in the second half, which is super frustrating. For reference, Iowa State is plus three in the first and negative 50 in the second. So once again, some of those games get a little out of hand, um, especially that Texas Tech game on the road and the Texas game as well. Iowa State didn't do so hot in those games. But either way, big win at home. You defend Hilton. You do what you have to do. Yeah, I just want to throw out some some little box score things just from that game, just so people realize how ridiculous all these fouls were. Uh, on Iowa State, three people made war- more than one field goal, and that was Gabe Kelsher, Isaiah Brockington, and Tristan Inaruna. Tristan Inaruna went two for two. But Jazz Koontz was one for three from the field and had nine points. He made one field goal and had nine points. <laughs> Tyrese Hunter made one field goal and had ten points. Condit, one field goal, five points. Like, everybody was at the line constantly. We we got close to shooting more free throws than we... I mean, we had a significant amount of free throws compared to field goal percentage. We had 30 free throws and 49 field goal attempts. Like, we spent the whole night there, and that game took forever. I think on the broadcast, they were calling for the next game being on ESPN News when there was like five minutes left in the game. And normally you hear that if the game's going to overtime or if you're in like the last minute or seconds and it's taken a while. Like, it was a marathon, but uh, worth it if we win. Yeah, a win is a win, no matter how ugly it is. That's what TJ said after that Texas Tech win at home. Doesn't matter how ugly it is. If you win the game, a win is a win. And boy... Uh, I would say the second half of that K-State game was very ugly at times. Um, at, at the end of the first half, Iowa State was playing very well. This game, uh, I believe, was a two-point lead for Iowa State going into the break. Um, there was It started out pretty poor. I believe K-State jumped out to a 10-2 lead early. Iowa State's offense really wasn't in a rhythm. And then all of a sudden, they went on a big run um, and got up uh, by a little bit. K-State snuck back in in the first half, but really the story, it, all the excitement started coming along in the second half. Iowa State grew their lead to as large as 15 points at one point. K-State brought it back down. Iowa State uh, ballooned it back to 11, and then they only win by one point. 
uh, thanks to a last second heave uh, from half court by Nigel Pack. Um, really could have been a four point win, but the shot is a shot before the buzzer. Uh, this team seemed to have figure out, figured out their backcourt press break. Um, and then it got into this game and the team was making long passes. What do I mean by long passes? So after a, after a bucket's made, you know, how a, the, the, uh, inbounder gets to, uh, run the baseline after a made basket. Well, twice Gabe Kalsher took the ball out of bounds and stood in his place and threw the ball to the opposite corner. That's what I say is a long pass. It's like when you're in football, your quarterback from the right hash is throwing all the way to the to the far sideline uh, from the camera angle. That's a long pass. Uh, so same thing here on the basketball court, really. It, it's you can't make those long passes. And also, if you're the person that's beat, that's receiving the pass, you have to go to the ball. You can't be fading away from the ball. So there are a lot of steals there late. Um, there are a couple five-second calls. One of them was very, very fast, in my opinion. Um, the ball was thrown out of bounds a couple of times, and Iowa State just looked lost uh, in that press break, and that's something that needs to get cleaned up as they go into the Big 12 uh, tournament. Bright side, though, Tyrese Hunter might have had his best game overall uh, in the Big 12, at least this season. Very well-rounded, 13 points, 7 rebounds, 10 assists. I believe he had 8 assists, 8 or 9 assists in the first half alone, which is very impressive, passing the ball very, very well. 3 steals as well, also phenomenal for Tyrese Hunter. Caleb Grill got hot. Now he was playing in front of literally the entire state of Kansas is what it felt like uh, for his family. I don't know if anyone saw the picture on Twitter. Of yeah. it. He had about a 30, lot of people 30 to 40 fans there just for Caleb Grill. I mean, this man only shot threes in this game. It's what he did. Heat check from the logo. Uh, he was 6 of 10 from 3, though. 18 points was a huge help. Brockington was solid as well. I mean, it's just what you kind of expect from him. 17 points uh, in this game as well. It, what did hurt the Cyclones a lot, 16 turnovers. I talked about it. The turnovers at the end of the game almost cost us the game. 16 turnovers was huge. But one bright side, 15 second chance points in this game. Lots of tip outs that this team was able to get um, for some step in shots. And just those second chance points really, really kind of put the nail in the coffin for K-State in that second half when we grew some of those big leads. Uh, big picture look. What does this mean, Mike? What What is this? What is Iowa State looking at now that we've hit that 20 win mark in the season? Yeah, so it means a couple things. First of all, this team is now a virtual lock for the NCAA tournament, um, right? So if you look at the bracket matrix um, now, um, Iowa State is in in every uh, every bracket, all 106 that the bracket matrix is tracking at the moment. Um, Iowa State is in. Um, they would be an eight seed right now in the collective bracket. You'd love to see that get up to a six, um, just because I feel like then you've got a legitimate Sweet 16 chance if you can get a three seed instead of a two or a one in that round of 32. Um, that's that's a big help. Um, but anyway, right now they'd be an eight seed. They're a virtual lock with 20 wins. Um, even if they lost their next three games, um, they would be in this tournament. I don't see a way where they don't end up in this tournament. 
Also, when we're looking at Big 12 tournament seeding, um, the Cyclones have also made some big gains in that. They currently sit at sixth place um, in the Big 12 standings, but they certainly have a, pa- a path to pass TCU. Um, TCU is half a game ahead of them at seven and eight, but TCU plays two games um, this week um, at or against KU. Um, which are very losable games for sure from TCU. So if the Cyclones go one and one, it's very reasonable um, that they'd be tied with TCU um, at the end of the season, and then it would come down to tiebreakers. Um, and there's tiebreakers could get really confusing, so I'm not going to go into those in detail at the moment. Basically, what I'm trying to say is beat Oklahoma State this week, and you are at worst the sixth seed and have a decent chance at a five seed in the Big Big Twelve tournament, um, which would be would be nice to see. You want to get a little bit easier game, maybe play Texas um, instead of Texas Tech or things like that. That would be pretty helpful. So keep an eye on that. The seeding um, for the Big Twelve tournament um, as it comes up. Looking ahead, there are just two games left in the regular season. The first one is coming up, uh, as I referenced, Wednesday against Oklahoma State. That's a 6 p.m. game. I believe it's on ESPN+. And the second game is a 5 p.m. game against Baylor. That is in Waco. Um, and it is on ESPN2. So catch those last two Cyclone regular season games of the year. Um, and... See if they get one win, they'll be in good shape coming to the tournament. Um, over on the women's side, um, they rolled in their first two games uh, since we last recorded. They absolutely destroyed um, Kansas in Lawrence, fifty-nine to eighty. Fifty, sorry, yeah, fifty-nine to eighty-five. The Cyclones won, um, and it was not particular. Yeah, it, it was. It was just a domination, and KU is a good team. That's a KU team that's going to make the NCAA tournament. So it was impressive to see Iowa State um, beat them so thoroughly. Um, They did, I'm going to call it stumbling slightly against Texas Tech. They only beat them by 16. Texas Tech is really bad, so I'm calling that stumbling a little bit. But, you know, realistically, beating a team by 16, you're fine. Um, So that was really good. Um, as Wyatt mentioned in the intro, we are live um, against Baylor as we're recording this, but we're getting killed. We're currently down by 30 points. Um, so we're just going to chalk that one up as a loss to Baylor, um, which is unfortunate because if they could have won that game, they'd at least share the Big 12 title. Um, but they're going to take the loss there. And it continues this team's streak of getting killed by good teams. Every team, right? So. They, all those losses, as Wyatt mentioned, are to top 10 teams. Um, but we've been killed by all those top 10 teams. Like, none of the, the closest game was um, a game earlier this year um, in the non-conference against LSU. Um, and that was a... Let me try to find that game. Where was it? It was a big... Iowa State got killed in that game, too. Uh, I can't find the score right now because apparently it's disappeared. Oh, there it is. I guess it was only 69 to 60, so I guess we didn't get killed in that one, so I take that back. But um, we just haven't performed well. We've gotten killed by Texas twice and by Baylor twice now. So 
I'd love to see them beat either Texas or Baylor in the Big 12 tournament coming up here just to um, just to get some confidence um, going into the NCAA tournament. They could, they could make a deep run. They're not going to be able to make a deep run without beating good teams, so you'd love to see them do that. Um, this Cyclone women's team is likely to get um, a two-seed in the uh, – Big 12 tournament. In fact, with this loss to Baylor, they are virtually guaranteed that two seed um, in the Big 12 tournament. So um, that would put them uh, in a good position to make it to the championship game again, where you probably meet Baylor. So should be a fun Big 12 women's tournament and men's tournament as well. So um, look forward to that. And oh, the Cyclones' uh, last game is at West Virginia at 6 p.m. West Virginia is not a good team. So that's a game they should win because um, they just don't lose to bad teams. That They don't do it. Um, and the Women's Selection Committee did give their final um, top 16 reveal of the year um, just on Monday night. The Cyclones were sixth, which puts them as the second two seed. Um, that, that came out um, pre this Baylor game, so I'm not sure how this will affect it. Um, probably not much. They probably stay on the two line. So barring a bad loss here down the stretch, Iowa State will likely to be a two seed in the NCAA tournament. Have a good chance to go to a Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. So keep an eye on that. That'll be fun. Speaking of fun, the NBA is coming down the stretch here pretty quick, isn't it, Ariane? What do you What do you got for us there? Uh, it was a short week this week. I did not actually watch any games. I wasn't able to catch a couple that I wanted to watch, like James Harden's debut with the Sixers. Uh, but I was keeping track of that. I know you got to see that game because they were playing the Wolves and they were on a local channel. But uh, I talked to it to you guys. I said that these guys are going to kill it once they're together. You have two of the best free throw drawers in the NBA. They're both unguardable in their own right. So when you put James Harden and Joel Embiid together, it only makes sense that we spend the whole game at the free throw line and nobody can do anything about it. Uh, since they started, James Harden and Joel Embiid have attempted 59 free throws in their first two games. That is more than 21 of the NBA franchises have attempted in their last two games. So it is insane how many free throws they're getting on there. And people, I mean, it's almost as simple as you just haven't seen it yet. You haven't got to see film on them. You don't know how to defend that action when they run into the pick and roll. So it may, I assume it will go down as time goes on. But for right now, teams are trying to figure out what they can even do against both of them. They can either take it to the hole or they can pop out and shoot. You can really reverse the pick and roll and do a small big or a big small. Uh, they can score from everywhere on the court, so it's hard to, to even know what you're supposed to do to stop that. Embiid took 27 free throws in the Knicks game last time. Uh, they fouled out both the Knicks centers, so teams are struggling big time. And it'll be interesting to see how this team plays out and how far they can go in the postseason, but right now they're looking like a monster. Uh, ben Simmons, the other half of that trade, is now reporting back issues and has no date to return specifically. Kevin Durant is still out as well. And then you have Kyrie playing part-time like he has been since he came back. So the Nets are kind of in flux still. When they come back, honestly, uh, the Nets and the 76ers are easily two of the top three teams, if not the two best teams in the East if they're at full power. Um, if I was a betting man, I would go ahead and say that whenever Ben Simmons comes back is going to be after that date. I believe it's March 10th when the Nets are supposed to go to Philly and play. Um, I'm not saying he'll be good on the 11th, but I, I would bet that he does not make a trip to Philly to go play since he just refused to play the entire season because he didn't want to face those fans. 
And then just a quick rundown of the top three in each conference. You have the Heat, the Bulls, and the Sixers heading up the East. And then in the West, like we have had pretty much all year, you have the Suns, Warriors, and Grizzlies. And uh, like Mike said, we're coming down that home stretch. We have a little bit more than a month left. I believe April 10th is the end of the regular season. So the games are starting to count a little bit more. You're going to see teams tighten up their rotations, and uh, they're going to start playing pretty hard to get those positions. Teams will jockey for where they want to be in those standings, especially with the play-ins. It matters a little bit more to be in that top six. And then looking at those standings, I noticed Minnesota, were they're not play-ins, would just be in the playoffs right now. But because we expanded that to have the play-ins, they have to do that before they can technically be in the playoffs. And I wondered, how do you feel about that, Mike? Do you hate the play-ins even more now that they could get into the playoffs, but now they have to do this extra little thing where they could do a very Wolves thing and choke? Yeah, I do have a couple thoughts on that. First of all, I've always thought the play-ins were stupid. Like, in the NBA, eight teams in each conference is already too many to make the playoffs. Like, For sure. The Wolves, are having a, the Wolves are having a good year, but they're not better than Phoenix or Golden State. No. Right? We don't need a seven-game series to prove that. Yeah. Um, so the playoffs were already too big as it is before these play-ins. Secondly, yes, I'm a little bit salty, but especially because – Two of the teams down there right now in the Lakers and the Clippers have a ton of stars who just aren't healthy right now that could easily come back right before the play-ins and just dominate for a couple games and knock teams that have been better all year out. Yeah, there is a little danger in that. Yeah, this is just setting up as, as, a, as a situation for Minnesota where they were the better team all year but get bounced because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both come back you know, on April 6th and play four games the entire season, but knock the Wolves out of the play-in game. The Wolves are up 20 against Cleveland right now, though, so they're doing well. That, that would be a good win, but I still don't think it's going to be enough to catch uh, to catch Denver and get out of these play-in games. They're four games behind Denver, so that would be really tough to do. Or Dallas. I suppose Dallas is tied with... Dallas is also tied with Denver, so we could catch Dallas, too, I suppose, but... I think it'll be interesting. I, the Wolves have a good team this year for sure. I don't think they're fluky at all with where they're sitting. I think they're right where they should be, and I think they'll continue on their pace. Their strength of schedule doesn't look too awful going down the stretch, so I would anticipate them sitting right right about where they are for the rest of the year. Yeah, it seems pretty reasonable to me where they're at. I don't have any complaints about that. So, But they're on, they should be on the upswing. They should be getting better instead of worse, so that should help, and maybe they can avoid the play-in games in the future. And just getting better is great for the Wolves franchise because that has not been the case for a long time. They probably won't actually be good until they move to Seattle, but you know. Oh, that'd be sad. That'd be typical. They'll they'll win they'll win an NBA title in Seattle. Like hey, three years you're after talking to a St. Louis Rams fan, so I get that. <laughs> I know how that is. I feel that pain. But what we do have is a St. Louis Cardinals baseball team, and it looks like they may not be having an opening day now. Uh, Mike, do you want to cover us and get us filled in on all this baseball drama? Yeah, to me, this this baseball lockout has definitely been more pain than the future Supersonics winning an NBA title would be. Um, Because there's just been no movement anywhere. Um, The MLB self-imposed deadline to... Um, get a deal done in time for the regular season to start on time is um was today it was Monday the twenty eighth um 
No deal was reached today, at least not as far as I've heard, and I think they're done negotiating for the day. Um, so you can, I expect over the next day or two we'll get the official um, announcement that um, regular season games are going to be canceled. Um, it sounds like the league is going to uh, do it one week at a time, so they'll cancel the first week tomorrow and then have another week to negotiate um, and just go on like that. Um to, to, to touch on something you asked last week, Ariane, you asked um, would they reschedule the games and how would that work? And I said they would probably just reschedule them. The NBA or the, the MLB has come out and said that they are not planning to reschedule um, any games that gets canceled, um, which they're trying to use as leverage because Major League Baseball makes like 60 to 70 percent of their revenue on the year in from the playoffs, whereas the players don't get paid at all for the playoffs. So losing regular season games hurts the players more than the league. So the league is trying to use that as leverage. Um, The players basically countered and said, okay, but do you remember that uh, expanded playoffs that we agreed to earlier in these negotiations? You can kiss those goodbye if we don't play 162 games this year. Or, or if you don't pay us for 162 games this year, even if we don't play them all. Um, so it almost seems like they're moving more backwards than they are forwards here. Well, now the, the owners are, yeah, anyway. It, progress is not being made. Progress was not made this week on any of the major issues. And I will say it's it's incredible to put a deadline in place as the league and then proceed to make almost no concessions that seemed realistic for what the players were looking for so you basically said i don't know you guys better just do what we want by monday or we're just not gonna do it and then they didn't and i think they thought the players were gonna give up and cave in and they did not because this is not about two weeks of baseball it's about five years so i think that the players realize that and they're kind of looking to get everything that they deserve instead of letting the league do what they want and and the players have said it it's not like they don't want to play baseball. They want to play baseball. It's just the owners are budging $1 million at a time. Does that seem like a lot? Yeah. Is it a lot in the grand scheme of things when you like stack up it over five years? No, it's not. So the players don't want to make those concessions. They feel like they've, they've made concessions long enough for it. Uh, with the owners and it's just turning into something that I, some people are even wondering will we have baseball this season i think at some point we will i i hope that mike also thinks that we will seeing as he's our resident baseball expert but i don't know if i'm a lot more pessimistic now than i've been at any point that we're actually going to see any games this year if if we if baseball doesn't play this year does this almost kill the sport like hockey almost nearly died like how many ever how many years ago was that mike i don't i don't remember but is this going to almost be the end of baseball for from a viewership standpoint no is it gonna hurt absolutely it's already hurt from a viewership standpoint um is it gonna kill it no it's gonna take a lot longer to kill a sport than this um but it's not going to be fun for it but yeah in my opinion the owners have just looked bad through all of this like when they did this lockout originally um right rob manford came out with a statement 
that said, we're doing this um, to kickstart the negotiations. And then the owners proceeded to wait a month and a half before they started negotiating. Like, I don't know how you try to kickstart negotiations with a lockout and then don't negotiate. Like, to me, the owners have just looked really, really bad in all of this. They were all on vacation. They had to, they had to come back. They had vacations planned, you know? There are only so many private jet spots in the airport, so they had to come in one by one as well. I think they definitely mismanaged their PR when they thought they could villainize all the millionaires when they're all billionaires. Uh, I, I'm not sure how they thought they could come out as the good guys there. Yeah, the the owners are losing the PR battle for sure. The general public is never going to root for the boss. Just, that's no. just not how it works. No, nobody is winning. Nobody's going to win this, right? Like, nobody wins this, right? But the owners are looking super, super bad right now, so... Now, I have just like a little technical question. I've just been reading about it and I'm not as up on baseball and everything as I am on some other sports. I'm just curious why a big sticking point in this is whether we want or do not want a salary cap when a salary cap seems to be pretty basic and just what every other sport has. And I was just curious why there's so much resistance to implement the exact same thing in baseball when seemingly we know it works. Yeah, that's I mean, define it works, right? Works for who? Like, it's, it's a very complicated question. Um, part of the thing that makes it um, a little different than the NBA, the NHL, and the um, uh, NFL. NFL, thank you, um, is that um, – so baseball contracts are also fully guaranteed, right? Um, so if you sign the contract, all that money is guaranteed where, you know, in all the other sports, that's not the case. I believe NBA um, is fully guaranteed as is well, it? correct? Yeah. Is it? I don't I know. So. Okay, I'd have to look into that. But um, so part of it is that the players are concerned, and I think rightly so, that the length and um, really promote the length and size of the the bit the big contracts would would decrease pretty significantly with the salary cap because um, teams would not want to hamstring themselves financially in the future as much um, if there was a salary cap, right? You don't see like Mike Trout type contracts in salary cap leagues just because you don't want to commit that much money against a fixed sum versus a flexible sum. Sure. The, 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 the thought is that it would limit the earnings of the, uh, of the players to do that. Um, secondly, um, like I said, it's very complicated, but I think the other, the other thing would be that um, basically the owners don't necessarily the, the players don't think the owners would implement a salary cap fairly because it would involve opening up their their revenue books to the players which they haven't had to do and don't do um to right and the players are concerned that those numbers wouldn't quite be um as expected in that case and um they wouldn't be getting um a fair share of the revenue so it would be that too fair couple enough. couple instances i mean I think a salary cap is better. I mean, a lot of people say a salary cap would be better for league parity, right? But, um, like, if you look at... There are lots of metrics for parity, um, so I won't... I'll just go yeah. with simple, right? Number of teams who've played in finals and number of champions, it's right? Not very different than the salary it's, cap no, leagues. It's better no, than it's, the NBA. Right, it's it's yeah, it's much better than the NBA. It's about the same as the NFL. It's slightly the worse the than the NHL. Yeah. 
yeah. So I mean, if that's your your view of parity, um, you, you know, MLB doesn't have a parity problem. It has a tanking problem, but not a parity problem. Right. That's what I. That's what I would say. Then you just do what the NBA did, and you have a big lottery, right? I mean, that's the easiest way to solve it. That is one of the things that um, yeah. is going to come out of this CBA, seemingly, that's been agreed to. Um, the haggling over the number of teams in that lottery. The league wants three. The players want eight. Draft lottery is fun. I think that all sports should have it. It's much more exciting. You don't just get to lose all your games, and you're like, yay, we get quarterback number one. Like You have to at least try sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would work in the uh, NFL just because there's so few games. Um, I don't like the idea of it in the NFL, but all other sports, yes, I would do it. Um, I would totally do it. I'm I'm a big fan of the English soccer model of relegation. You suck so bad, yeah. get out of this league. We'll take somebody else. We can get the USFL and the XFL up and going, and we'll just uh-huh. uh, we'll do that in the NHL. Just- yeah, let's Trade the Detroit rele- Lions away. There yeah, you go. Let's just relegate teams. I would be a big fan of that. I know it's unrealistic, but... It would yeah. be fun. It would. It would It would stop tanking, that's for sure. Sorry, Baltimore Orioles. You lost 18 straight games this year. Get out of the MLB. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so expect an announcement over the next couple of days that the first week of regular season games are canceled. Um, and expect more haggling in the weeks to come. It sounds like these sides are still negotiating. They negotiated every day this week. Um, so, I mean, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get it. So, I'm I'm pessimistic, but I I still have hope. So we'll see what happens. Um, Kyle, you had a question you wanted to pose uh, for Mike Stupid Rules this week. I heard. Yeah. So at the end of the K State Iowa State game, there was a play in which K-State men's basketball point guard uh, Marquise Noel uh, gained possession of the ball um, and as he was as his momentum was taking him out of bounds he jumped jumped up in the air he was already yelling timeout but he was signaling timeout while in the air and it looked like the official granted it at that point there was an extensive discussion um, a lot of speculation around, you know, what were they going to call it? Were they going to call grant the timeout? Is was it a travel? Did he land out of bounds? Is it an out of, out of bounds turnover to the other team? What ended up happening was there was an inadvertent whistle um, that, and at that point, K State basically got to retain possession of the ball, their ball, uh, continue play from that point, out of bounds at that point. Um, but my question is, can a player? in possession of the ball call timeout while in the air or do they have to be on the ground in order to call timeout yeah the answer to that question is it depends so according to um the uh, ncaa rules a player can um call a timeout um when his team is in possession of the ball um unless um, it's in one of these two situations, and I'm finding these from um, Rule 5, Section 15, Article 1, Part B and C. So, no timeout shall be granted B during an interrupted dribble. That one doesn't apply here, but I wanted to throw it out here. Um, and C, to a player or coach when the momentum of an airborne player in control of the ball is carrying them out of bounds or into the backcourt. 
So yes, you can call a timeout while you're in the air, but not if your momentum is carrying you out of bounds or into the backcourt. So you do not have to have control of it on the ground to take a timeout, but you can't be um, you can't be going out of bounds um, in the air while you call that timeout. Um, so a, a timeout should not have been granted in that case, which it sounds like um, was the case. But I mean, basically K-State got what they wanted anyway because of the inadvertent whistle. So it was a better situation for them than had a timeout been granted because they didn't lose the timeout either, if I understand correctly. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, no, no timeout was used because what they ruled was it was an inadvertent whistle. So it was basically an official mistake. And yep. K-State just got the ball up there uh, inbounds from where they had it. Yeah, so the officials should not have blown the whistle, right? Um, if the officials... Gr- I don't have the rule pulled up for if the officials grant a timeout, they shouldn't. I would Im- I would imagine it might be... like Would it be the same type of rule in which case... Like if you call the timeout, if you didn't have any timeouts left where that turns into, like, a technical free throw, maybe? Perhaps. Um, that, that is the case if you call a timeout you don't have, but, um, but yeah, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't say specifically, or at least I'm, I'm not going to have you all stay on while I dig through the 150-page NCAA rulebook to figure it out. It's not expressly covered in that same rule as excessive timeouts. That's Rule 5, Article 16, or Article Sorry, Section 17, Article 1, um, but it's not explicitly covered there, and I'm not going to dig through the rulebook um, while I find it. So if I find that, I'll bring it back to next week's episode. Um, but no, K-State should not have been granted a timeout um, in that situation, is the moral of the story. They technically were not, right? They weren't, no. Correct. So, yeah. It was officiated correctly, but still to K-State's advantage because of the inadvertent whistle. So It was officiated badly correctly. Yes. Incorrectly, correctly. <laughs> they interpreted the rules correctly, but didn't... Did their jobs wrong. Didn't execute yes. Didn't execute as intended. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Um, speaking of executed as intended, um, Emily Ryan executed exactly as Kyle intended um, in the KU game um, as we move into our accountability session. Kyle predicted that Emily Ryan would tie or break the single-season assist record, Um Versus KU, which she did. She had 11 assists in that game, which did th- that was 11 to tie, uh, right? No, it was 10 to tie, 10 to 11 tie to break. Over. So she did okay. break it. Yeah. So that is a correct prediction for Kyle. So ding, 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 ding. ding. That was it um, for our accountability session um, this week. Um, so I'm going to start by putting predictions up on the board. I'm going to predict that both the Cyclone men's and women's teams make it to the Sweet 16. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Well, like we talked about earlier when I was texting you guys, uh, one site that I look at gives the Cyclone men an 11% chance to make the Sweet 16s. That's just one half of it. So pretty much a home run, right? So 11% is in the triple slash home run territory, but if you... Multiply that 11% times, let's say, a 75% chance the Cyclones do as a two seed. That's like an 8% chance. So I'll let you that's, guys decide. That's, yeah, borderline home run territory there. Just the chance that anything like makes leaning. it to the Sweet 16 is it's all chance, basically. So 
Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, statistically, it's probably leaning towards a triple, but there's no way it is. It's got to be a home run. And technically, hear me out, technically, neither team has made the tournament yet, so. Nah, we're going to give him a home run for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, that, that would just justify a home run even more, so. That's true. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yep, Josh is enjoying a nice uh, vacation um, at the moment. But he is keeping an eye on the world of sports. He saw today that the NFL released um, their international schedule for the year. There'll be a game in Germany for the first time ever. That's pretty Um, cool. Yeah. But it did have on it that uh, the Green Bay Packers will play a game in London this year. Um, And Josh is predicting the Packers will win that game in London. Who are they playing? I don't know. You know, that's the resource I should have done. Um, and just for just for clarification, is this one's technically going on next season's, right? Yes, this okay. yeah, this will have to be um, have to be on next season's board because it won't end um, by May. The date and opponent have not yet been determined, so we don't okay, know. Well, who how playing. the heck are we supposed to do that then? Single or double, right? Winning a single NFL game is a single or a double, and the Packers are probably good. Unless they don't have Rodgers. I'm going to pick a single just for saying you're going to win a, a game that you don't even know who you're playing. That's yeah. <laughs> I mean, because they could get the Jaguars. They could. Hey, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the best next year. Is that your write-that-down prediction? The, the best quarterback named Trevor in the league. Is he the Wait. only quarterback named Trevor in the league? I guess Trevor Simeon might still be around, maybe. Uh, I can't think of any others. Anyway, he, he was, yeah. I think we're deciding single. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, so my prediction sounds really stupid, but keep in mind that earlier in the season, I predicted that the men's team would make the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16, and I cut it off there because this was at the time where we thought the men's team would be bad. Well, I'm going to round that out because I couldn't think of anything else. I'm going to say the men's basketball team is going to make the round of 32. <laughs> I feel like that's is this a single or double? double. I'd say a double. I mean, No one would be win. shocked it's... if this team loses a game immediately. Right, but if yeah, but do we want to do we want to reflash or take a flashback to Tulsa, Oklahoma, guys? Ugh. But we're gonna be favored. Like, are we really gonna give him a double for something that's probably favored to happen? We you were also we're favored, favored against. We would also we were also favored against Oklahoma State in that game too. Well, sure, that doesn't ago. mean we can't lose, but. If we're in the 8-9 game, who's to say we're going to be favored? True. Single. But I'm voting single. Single. I was leaning towards double, but you convinced me. Single. I, I was expecting a single, so I was really excited when y'all were discussing a double. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, Iowa State has had some success recently, so let's just drink the fantasy Kool-Aid here uh, and say that Iowa State is going to beat Baylor on the road. They have an 8.9% chance according to basketball BPI on ESPN. So this is again in between triple and home run territory. Teamrankings.com, which I like to use, gives us an 11.1% chance. I mean, we gave Mike a home run for an 8% chance. I'm going to say triple because you're really defensive. Yeah. yeah, Unless you convince (laughs) me why that should be a home run, you're getting a triple. Oh, okay. I'll just keep that in mind for Ariane later. This is payback, yeah. if anything. <laughs> Speaking of things that make Kyle mad, 
my prediction is a little bit more personal this week, and I'm going to say that in our fantasy basketball league, Kyle will not make the playoffs. So just to update everybody on where we're at in fantasy basketball, um, there's two weeks to go in the regular season. Kyle currently sits in the last playoff spot at 10-8, and eight, one game ahead of the person behind him, who's at 9-9. Nine and nine. But the person behind him, Victor, um, has the tiebreaker over Kyle because he's beaten Kyle twice this year. So basically, if Victor wins twice and Kyle goes 1-1, one and one, um, Victor's in. Or if Kyle loses twice and Victor goes 1-1, one and one, um, Victor's in. Kyle controls his own destiny with two wins. The playoff percentage calculator is 70% for Kyle right now. 31 for Victor? Yeah, 69-31. Um, for reference, um, the game's ongoing. Victor is beating Sam 150-72, to and I am beating Kyle 166-138. to um, And I am the best team in the league. Uh, um, I think so technically Kyle's I am. T- no, I have more points than you. But I think it counts me as number one in the standings. So it counts you as number one in the standings because Josh has the tiebreaker over me in the Amen. division because of head to head, and rules. you have the tiebreaker over Josh because of head to head. So I have the most points, but I'm technically the three seed because of tiebreaker. Anyway, I digress. Um, and I have the second most points, and I'm clinging <laughs> on for dear life. So what does that matter? It doesn't. Also, just for the record, uh, if Kyle was to get into the playoffs, that would mean that myself, Mike, Kyle, and Josh were in the playoffs, and then you have Wyatt at a lovely 5-13. and 13. Let's not talk about me. Hey, at least I'm not Wyatt. As and at least has, I'm not Marion, uh, who's going to lose in the first round. All right, well, that's true. I will. I yeah, always so do. N- next week, for the record, Kyle gets a 7-11 and 11 Sam team, and Victor has to play Josh at 13-5. and five. So uh, Victor has the easier matchup this week, but uh, Kyle has the easier matchup next week. For the so, record, I'm going to send Josh $100 to win his game. I mean, Josh is setting his lineup every day. I don't know what more you want him to do. Just win, baby. That's a good That's a good. Make sure, make sure Arion doesn't bribe him. Out-bribe Arion. Anyway, um, I'm between a single or a double for this. Wyatt, Kyle, what do you think? Single. Ah, single it is. <laughs> well, hold on, right. hold on. Why didn't I haven't voted yet? Do you know, <laughs> we haven't this voted. Is not, this is not a... I don't why, know, that seems like a single. Okay, well, now it doesn't matter what I vote for. So. Got a 70% chance to get in. A 30% chance is a single now? I, I, was, le- I was leaning towards double, but... It, it's in that weird territory, and I kind of feel bad for Kyle. All for right, for no real fair. reason. He is a sad but... guy. <laughs> Which it doesn't really matter to him, though, either, because this is points for you. So, right, sorry. Yeah. Win-win. Kyle, just beat me. Beat me and it doesn't matter. What are you yeah, complaining just do about? It. Just win, baby. I'm complaining about Chris Paul being an idiot. Because he hurt his finger? <laughs> yeah, and he's out for six weeks. And? I mean, I have Brad Beal, so. And I have Paul Miller. George, so. And Yusuf Nurkic. Lost, like, three people for the sucks. Nobody wants to hear about this. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> With three singles, a triple, and a home run, that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 165 of the 8311 cast. Did you know that we have a Twitter account and an Instagram, both which are very active? Check them out at 8311cast before our next week's episode 166, which we know you'll be here to check out. 
and listen to on all your favorite podcast applications. Signing out for the 87 Cast Favor hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. Ariane Barry. And Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.